Hello and welcome to The 100 Podcast. This is Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today we're doing our final team preview ahead of the 2023 edition of The 100. We've been previewing every single men's and women's side have a tournament and we finish off with the London Spirit Men. Really weird team, um, I think we'd say, Charlie. Worst team in the tournament in the first edition. Outperformed expectations last year. Heading into this year, a really interesting team to watch. And I think it's worth us kicking off with a bit of draft talk you know us we love talking about draft we love talking about um roster building and, and building a great squad and there's been a couple of issues with this side early doors they drafted mitch marsh at the 125k range he is not going to be playing in this tournament he's been rested they drafted ollie stone in the 100k range he is injured again and will not be playing in the 100 again Charlie, I think those two specific issues are key here because there were some really good cricketers they could have got instead of those two. And I think when you consider the availability of Australians in the last couple of years, the 100, and also Ollie Stone's availability, as sad as it is, is he's a fantastic cricketer. He's not available. They made a bit of a meal of it in the draft, and I think that's going to hurt them. Yeah, so... I'm going to cast my mind back now to pre-drafts. As mm. you know, we always do lots of mock drafts. We get really in-depth with these teams and we try and work out exactly what roles these sides need and who we think is best placed to fill them and where the teams could be able to draft them. And we were both very clear this team needed a left armour and an all-rounder. And David Willey felt like the obvious fit there. He was available he would have been 125k signing. He mm. would have fit in, he would have fitted into this team perfectly. Then they could have gone for an overseas player in a 100k slot, a left-handed batter who could bat in the middle order. Now Matthew Wade would have got would have worked there. We'd have probably gone Riley Russo. In fact, we did go Riley Russo in our mock drafts. He went unselected. He would have been available. Now it's hard for me to look now, and obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing. Now that neither of the players they picked are available. But it's very, very easy for me now to look at that and say that if they had got David Willey and Riley Russo instead of Mitchell Marsh and Ollie Stone, this team would feel that bit more balanced. It would feel that bit more impressive and that bit more complete. As it is, they've had to replace all three of the players in their top three slots because Glenn Maxwell, of course, pulled out as well. He was retained in a 125K slot. Then Mitch Marsh was also pulled out of the Cricket Australia and Ollie Stone was injured. And my my big issue here is that Mitch Marsh, there was always the question mark about the availability. We knew that he was probably going to play in the Ashes. We knew that the Aussies had a white ball series at the back end of August, so he was probably going to miss a bit of the competition anyway. To draft a player who might not be available in your very first pick, is bizarre. And then to do the exact same thing with Ollie Stone, who has had two different franchises prior to this and not played a single game, was also very risky, particularly when you also have Mark Wood in this squad, who is also a very injury-prone quick bowler. Having both of them in the same team just didn't make much sense to me. And unfortunately, I think it's going to come back to bite them because no offence to Dan Morrow, I think he's a very handy cricketer, but to go from Ollie Stone to Dan Morrill in the 100k slot a week out from the tournament beginning, it's just not ideal, is it? It's a completely different role. He's kind of duplicating Chris Wood in a way. He's already in the squad. 
I just feel like this team could have been so much better balanced if they had been more sensible in the draft and attacked players who were actually realistically going to play in this competition. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. And I think you could have had the foresight to see this coming. But I think we could have predicted that this sort of thing would happen. We had the concerns of the time. I must admit, I think they've done pretty well with their replacements. I think uh, Daryl Mitchell is a great tournament for Lancashire in the 2023-220 Blast. Hell yeah, get Daryl in there. Uh, Matthew Wade's a good cricketer. And, you know, I, I don't think Dan Morrill's going to play, but that he gives you something. I think they've done pretty well, but I think that's worthy context of our concerns about this side. But let's crack into what you've potentially got here. Our top five. Uh, includes Zach Crawley and Daniel Beldrummond as the openers. Daniel Beldrummond having a fantastic T20 blast this year. Zach Crawley, obviously a very talented player, just coming off the ashes, not sure how and when he'll be available, um, but you know, super talented player. Michael Pepper, Essex legend, and 100 Podcast favourite in at three. Dan Lawrence, um, copy and paste that exact thing at four. And then you've got Matthew Wade at five. You know, you've got form players here, Charlie. You've got two players in Pepper and Lawrence we really like. You, you love what Matthew Wade can give you, give you in the middle order as a left-hander. There's lots to like about this side. Obviously, the question is, you know, do they have that real gun at the top of the order? We don't know how much that crawl is going to be playing. Daniel Beldrummond's played very well in the blast, hasn't quite translated out to the 100. You wonder how keen they'll be to maybe throw Dan Lawrence up the order. Um, I, I do like this top order, but it does have those questions. It does. I think it also has the question as well of who opens and who bats in what positions, because arguably, with the exception of Michael Pepper, all of their top five probably want to open the batting. And the same applies to Adam Rossington, who we can't even fit into this side. He probably plays when Crawley isn't there. Potentially he starts at a Bell Drummond as well, but I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. But the point remains that Crawley, Bell Drummond, Lawrence, Wade and Rossington are all best suited to opening the batting. And Michael Pepper has to bat free, probably, in my opinion, to get the best out of him. So you're left with five or six players there. You're trying to squeeze in the two positions. And that's kind of impossible. So whatever you do, you're squashing someone out of position a little bit. For example, I like Dan Lawrence at four. I like Matthew Wade at five. I think that's completely reasonable. But Dan Lawrence has been opening for Essex this year and has been on an absolute heater. Matthew Wade, I feel like, is also better suited to playing pace bowling and is much better suited to opening the batting. So you're not quite getting the most out of them at four and five, but you don't really have any other way of playing it. They're all good players, but when they're not in their preferred role, it's difficult to see them quite achieving what they could do in other roles. And that's unfortunately an issue of recruitment, I think. You have to be able to understand you're, you're filling certain roles rather than just picking off the players you like. And when I look at this team, I feel like it's the latter rather than the former. Yeah. Hey, look, I like my, I like Matthew Wade at the top of the order. I've always preferred Matthew Wade at the top of the order. That's just my preference. I do think you can work in the middle overs. And, you know, I do think there's a way of balancing this together. I do think it can work pretty well. I'm fine with Pepper at four personally, as much as I like him at three. I'm fine with Wade there. My bigger question, I think the composition of this side question is, is the fact that I've only really got two left-handers. Um, you've got Daryl Mitchell in, obviously coming in at six. You know, you like what he can offer you. Again, he's bad at, at the top of the order quite a bit um, for New Zealand, but I think you're fine with him club coming on lower in john thompson's scheduled to come in at seven hasn't been the same with the bat of the last couple of years as he had been previously matt critchley liam dawson eight and nine so there's batting depth but 
That's part of the reason you can't really shove Wade up there because you only have two left-handers in the squad and John Thompson, one of them, has really struggled with the bat. So really you only have one legitimate left-hander and I think that does add some concerns. Obviously you have some very good players of spin there. Michael Pepper, I think, helps counter that. Dan Lawrence helps counter that. Regardless, I do think that's a concern. And I think piecing this together with so many right-handers is going to be a problem for them to deal with throughout the tournament. Yeah, it is. And again, this comes back to recruitment and being aware of the roles you have to fill. I think there's a few teams in this tournament that are very right-hand heavy. I do think that leaves you very, very vulnerable to leg spin and slayer's armors. And I think with this team in particular, you're relying a lot on Matthew Wade in that middle order, as well as Pepper and Lawrence, to be fair, who are both good players of spin, who can deal with the ball turning away relatively well. But you're still relying a lot on Matthew Wade, and he isn't necessarily the greatest player of spin in the world. Again, I prefer him at the top of the order because I like what he can do against pace bowling. But because of the makeup of this squad, because he's the only specialist left-hander you have, it comes to him really to bat in the middle order and essentially be a guard against leg spin. And that's not really what he's best at doing at all. Matthew Wade should never be your shield. He should never be protecting you against leg spin. That's just not what he does. It's a complete waste of his ability. Unfortunately, you kind of have to do that a little bit because there's frankly no one else who can do that job. And I think that's a real shame. And I think that does raise a question mark about the recruitment of this squad. Yeah, there are going to be some concerns there, regardless of the talent. So let's go on to um, the bowling. Nathan Ellis, I think, is an absolute star for this side. Looking at what he's done the 2023 T20 Blast. 23 wickets at 16.73, a Conrad of 7.33. So good at the death. He can bowl up top as well. An absolute gun. And I think he's just a solidified 20 deliveries of greatness. Nathan Ellis is a fantastic bowler. You've also got Mark Wood there in terms of the quick bowlers. Are you not completely sure how much Wood's going to play in this? He's 33, just coming off three test matches in a row. I think England might just ease him off for a, for a few games. So maybe you see him in the back end of the tournament. We will see in that regard. And then you've got Jordan Thompson and Daryl Mitchell also um, also kind of offering you some options there. I, I would imagine that Chris Wood would play instead of Mark Wood. I think that would make a bit of sense. Chris Wood obviously bowls in the power play, quite nicely left arm option. So you can make this work. I, I do have, you know, Daryl Mitchell's played pretty well this year, but I do have concerns about this pace attack, especially the laws with the square boundaries so short. Other than Nathan Ellis... Not quite sure how this works. I do know what you mean. Thompson was very good last year, very impressive. Not sure he's going to have another season quite as good as that one yet. I don't think his returns for Yorkshire in the blast this year have been quite on that level. And I, I feel like as much potential as Jordan Thompson has, I feel like there's another level to his game that he hasn't quite unlocked yet. So I, I, I'm not expecting him to repeat those levels of heroics that you often pull off at the back end of innings last year. Ellis is fantastic. He is a, a wonderful bowler. Hasn't necessarily been at his, his elite best this year for Hampshire, but we all know what he can do. He is a gun bowler at the death. He is just phenomenal. Obviously, I'd love to see some Mark Woods here. Not sure I see a great deal of him. Chris Wood is a very reliable option, but I don't know. I just think it's lacking that one big gun and that is Mark Wood if he's fit if he's ready to play if he's not ready to play then I don't know the bench options of Wood and Dan Worrell 
don't hugely inspire me. I'm not going to lie. Chris Wood's never really set the world alight for the Spirit before. This is his third season back there now. He's a solid option to have, but... Yeah, but I I think that's the worth of him. Solid, but he's not necessarily going to be a game changer. And I think the same applies to Dan Worrell as well. So it's not the strongest seam attack, I would say. I think it's a nice seam attack, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily the most incisive. And I think that might extend to the spinners a little bit as well. Yeah, and look, I think Chris Wood's solid. I think you can get away with Chris Wood. He's been very good for Hampshire over the years. I do think people forget, mainly because I think he's what well, he's been around absolutely forever. This <laughs> case, uh, Chris Wood, but I think he's a good bowler. I think he offers you something. Fifteen wickets in the last this year, averaging twenty three. Conrad seven point eight seven. He could do a job for you. I'd be very happy uh, to have him there. John Thompson's done what John Thompson's done this year. I mean, he's played 13 games, 20 wickets, takes lots of them, averaging 22, but his economy rate's 9.7. So he is expensive. He takes wickets for you, but he's expensive. That's kind of what you get with John Thompson. I think you can put this seam attack together quite nicely if Thompson, you know, continues to take wickets. Chris Wood offers you a lot on the power play. You back Daryl Mitchell. I think you can make this work. The spin attack is a little bit, weird as well. I mean, obviously you've got Liam Dawson, who's a, a really good cricketer, but as we saw last year for London Spirit, didn't always bowl out and he's only been averaging about three overs a game. For Hampshire. Now that might seem like a lot, but the point is he's not consistently bowling out um, in every single innings, which shows you're not always going to get 20 deliveries out of him. You've got Matt Critchley, who has developed this year, for sure. We've talked about this previously for Essex, done a very, very good job um, over there. You've you talked a little bit about his googly Charlie. That's a part of his game now, which I think is a, a big step up for Matt, which, which is lovely. Um, he's taken 23 wickets in the last this year, averaging 19. He's got around 8.45. Remember, he's bowling at Chelmsford. So, you know, do remember that. You like his option. And then a bit of Dan Lawrence. I think I kind of, you know, I, I like what it offers there, but I would really prefer it to have a, a gun spin I could go to for 20 deliveries confirmed. As much like Critchley, as much as I'm a big fan of Liam Dawson, I, I'm, I'm just not, I don't think he's one of the best in the tournament, is what I'd say. I think that's completely fair. Critchley's come on a long way this season. Like you mentioned, Ed, the googly has been a really nice development. He's got a kind of slider flipper thing going on as well this year, which is quite impressive as well. It's done for a few very good cricketers this summer in the blast. I think for me, a lot of the spin attack will depend on Critchley and if he can continue that form, if he can make that step up and not get exposed. And I think he could well make that step up. If he does, then I feel pretty all right about it. I do agree, though, that it is lacking that one genuinely gun spinner here. Don't forget, of course, you've got Mason Crane as well. We've got him on the bench. We think on form, Critchley will probably play over him. He's been bowling better and more regularly. And of course, he bats as well. So to me, that's a no-brainer. There's every chance Crane does come into the side at some point as well. But to be honest, I don't think he really fixes the issue that we're, we're mentioning. I feel like he's more of the same and that he's a nice bowler who maybe hasn't quite hit his potential yet. And again, isn't necessarily always going to bowl you 20 balls every game. And I think that's kind of the issue here is that do you have one spinner here who you're going to trust to bowl 20 balls every game and make a game-changing contribution every single time? I don't know if that is the case, to be honest. I think they've got three nice options. I don't think they've got that one gun go-to guy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd also say I'm a bit concerned matchup-wise. Obviously, Dan Lawrence and off-spinner prefers to bowl to left-handers. Liam Dawson is the opposite. 
Matt Critchley against left-handers, you're also not completely convinced against those with those short square boundaries. You worry about that a little bit. I wonder how much they're going to have to go to a player like Mark Wood with that extra pace in the middle overs. If you don't have that, are you bowling a lot of Jordan Thompson? Are you bowling Daryl Mitchell there? I'm a little bit concerned about how they figure out those middle overs if you have two very good players of spin there and they can maybe get after you. That's my concern with this side. And I, I think... Overall, I like a lot of the components of this side, Charlie. When I kind of have my my vibe check on it, uh, even though I like the components of pretty much every part of this, we love Dan Lawrence and Michael Pepper in that middle order and the Wade and Mitchell give you experience. You like some of the top order options. You've got Nathan Ellis as a gun and you like some of the seamers. You kind of like the spin attack. It's just... There's there's an issue in every part of the side, every facet of the side, and it's not necessarily a gaping hole, but it's one that I think can be exploited, and it kind of leaves me thinking that this is one of the weaker sides in the competition. I don't think they're going to bottom out. I don't see them as a bottoming outside. I personally just think that it's going to take a very good coaching and captaincy job for this side to challenge the finals. But then again, they've got Nathan Ellis and they've got lots of batting firepower, so anything's possible. I, I do feel this is one of the weaker sides in the competition. I do agree a lot will fall to the captaincy of Dan Lawrence to try and get the most out of this team. This is his first ever captaincy job, so we don't really know what he's going to be like, what his tactics are, what his game plan is going to be. I'm curious to see how he gets on. I think there are probably more obvious candidates in this side going into the competition, although, of course, one of them and Glenn Maxwell is no longer playing. It's a big test of it's a big show of faith in Dan Lawrence. I think there's every chance if he marshals his resources well, this team could be quite competitive. I just have those lingering doubts. I think there's just one too many role here that isn't filled properly. I just think there's that little bit of X factor lacking in a few too many areas. I like all the players individually whether or not they come together to make a title-challenging side, I'm personally not quite convinced. Look, this London Spirit side, we really like a lot of the individual components, but I think their roster building and draft strategies let them down, and I think they might struggle this year because of that. That's our final team preview. We've done all of them. So if you go to our feed right now, you can find a team preview for every single men's and women's side in the 100. Go check it out. Throughout the tournament, we're going to have so much for you. Player interviews coming up, by the way. Some really fun interviews right now on the feed. You're going to find our interview with Luke Wells. Also got an interview with Stevie Eskenazi coming up soon. And at Podcast Sondra is the place to be on Twitter, on X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And thank you for listening to all of our preview podcasts. We really appreciate it, Sever. And we'll speak to you next time. <laughs>